0: Welcome to the Part-Time Outdoors Podcast, hosted by Matt Noss and Nate Wright. Welcome back, episode 12, Part-Time Outdoors. Today we have on Josh Walters, and Josh works at TRCP, as well as he has a pup from... Old hemlock setters. So I'm very excited about this episode. A little backstory. When we first started this podcast, initially it was going to be a gun dog podcast only. I had talked to Nate and I said, Hey Nate, uh, starting a podcast. We we've been going back and forth about starting one for a couple of years. And uh, he's like, Well, you know, uh, I think we should do all 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 sports hunting, uh, archery everything fishing so um which was a good idea because it it opened up our audience a lot and but i've always been really passionate about uh, about gun dogs so i'm really excited for this and josh is going to enlighten us a lot about old hemlock and then (laughs) and then uh we're going to talk about a little bit about george bird evans and then we're going to get into some grouse hunting west Virginia. Talk a little bit about TRCP and go from there. But I'll let Josh introduce himself. Josh?
1: Yeah, thanks, Matt, for having me on. I'm yeah. um, Josh Walters. I am a uh, West Virginia native and met Matt through RGS. So excited to be here.
0: Yep, thanks for coming on. And uh, so the way me and Josh met was about three years ago. Yeah, I think so. So three years ago, I go to an
1: RGS meeting. You got to tell them where it's at, though.
0: At Bob Evans. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's where all of our RGS meetings are up here. And I I didn't really know anyone at all. And luckily, when I walked in, I saw Josh. And right off the bat, I felt at home, welcomed. Uh, There wasn't a lot of people there. There There's probably, like, what, five, six guys? Yeah. mm -hmm. You know, it was mostly mostly all older people, probably in their 60s, 70s, um, just completely guessing at the ages, but... Uh, it's kind of one of those uh, when you're around a bunch older people, they just kind of act like your generation ruined America. It's kind of like that, and then there was me and Josh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were all very nice. Uh, learned a lot. Uh, unfortunately, that was right before COVID happened. Yeah. So then COVID happened. All the meetings got canceled. Kind of fell out of it. And then I get a text from Josh. He's like, hey, you going to the RGS meeting tonight? I think that was last year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I didn't know there was one. They show up, and then we just picked right back up where yeah. we left off. So, mm-hmm. RGS is doing a lot of stuff. Um, I, we talked, I don't know, a couple months ago, they're, they're starting a, another project in West Virginia, so excited about that. But yeah, that's how we met. And ever since then, we we go back and forth. We both live in Morgantown, um, so it's been easy. And I've been wanting to get him on for a long time. As soon as we started this podcast, he was right in my head as one of the first guests I wanted to get on. Um, I didn't think it'd be this long to get him on, but- uh, Here we are. Here we are, yep. so. Uh, that's how we met, and uh, so we'll just go ahead and hop on to uh, Old Hemlock here. Uh, there was a famous author; everybody knows him, George mm-hmm. Bird Evans. If you don't know him, look him up. He's from West Virginia. We don't have a, we don't have a lot of famous people in West Virginia, so if you're from West Virginia, you've probably heard from him or about him. And he's actually only what he lived what 15 minutes from here.
1: Yeah, Bruce D. Mills. Yeah. Born in Uniontown, mm-hmm. moved to Bruce D. Mills. After a stint in New York, he worked for Cosmo Magazine. Um, Him and his wife, Kay Evans, they were inseparable. and I don't think he would have been anything without her. So uh, moved to Brewster Mills in 1939, I believe, and started the line of old hemlock setters. Very cool.
0: Whenever, uh, before I got my second dog, I wanted an old hemlock so bad. And Josh had kind of told me about them, and the only reason I didn't get one and... I kind of regret it is I didn't want to pick the thorns out of their fur. And oh, yeah. it, it would just me being lazy. Uh, I love my second dog. Don't get me wrong, but I would have really liked an old hemlock.
1: Well, they have 14 puppies right now up in Freeport, Maine. Ooh. So they're about six weeks old. Um, I think they're all spoken for. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're a special dog. And you're right. The thorns, the briars, twigs, everything in between. It takes about 20 minutes some days when there's leaves on the ground or leaves on the trees to pick it out and just, she's become accustomed to it. Now she stands on the back of the tailgate and knows what I'm doing (laughs) and she's, she's fine with it, but it is an extra, extra step after we go out.
0: I'm sure those dogs definitely go fast. I I was listening to a podcast back in um, 2017 and at that time, I don't know how many there are now, but I think there was only 70 or 80 total Old hemlock setters in the world.
1: Yeah, that was um, was it Ronnie Beams podcast? Yeah, yep. yeah. Honey yeah. Dog podcast. I'm yep. not sure how many there are now. There's probably not too many more. I know they've they had a litter two years ago in Brewston, um, and then they had Berkeley's litter about a year ago. Yeah, just over a year ago because she's 15 months. Oh, she's so, 15 months already. Yeah, already. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I feel like I've had it for 10 years.
0: The so. uh, it's good looking dog. By the way, you've done really Thank well you. with her first bird dog, right?
1: First bird dog, and I would equate training her and learning everything to building an airplane while you're flying in it. <laughs> Someone used that that term once, and I'm like, man, that's, that's what likes having your, your first bird dog is. It's that, a lot of work.
0: That is funny. You've done mostly all the training yourself, right?
1: Um, I hooked up with a guy up in uh, Port Marion area, Hunting Hills, and they've been around there forever, the Sistlers. And it's actually pretty cool. Um, George would go up there and work with um, Roy Roy Sisler's his name, and he's been around for you know, years. And in one of George's books, he actually has a picture of him styling his dog, and then there's the the, the pigeon uh, pen. And you drive up there, and it's still there. So it's pretty cool to wow. to go up there and, and work with her during the summer. And know, you know George was up there too. You know, doing the same thing.
0: See, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I really didn't know very much about Old Hemlock, George Bird Evans, any of that until probably only a couple of years ago. And I, I mean, I've lived in Morgantown now for 10 years and I had no idea we had a, a rich bird dog uh, history. History yeah, yeah things. Well, it's
1: funny you say that because I went to school at WVU here in Morgantown um, and I didn't find it. And I, I live in the east or from the Eastern Panhandle. So I would. You know, past the Brewster Mills exit, probably hundreds of times driving home from college. And I found out about Old Hemlock. You're never going to believe this. My mom bought me a West Virginia Living magazine. You know, not really what you would think. Shout out, mom. Yeah, right. And there is uh, there was an article in there. Lee J. and Helen Graffius are the caretakers of Old Hemlock now. And the ground's there. And they have three dogs. And I was like, wow, you know, West Virginia, you know, this is really neat. So I picked up my first copy. Uh, the Upland Shooting Life by George Bird Evans. And it was kind of history from there. His writing is incredible. Um, and I was like, man, I would love to get a bird dog one day because they're just such you know beautiful looking dogs. Actually, I first wanted a Jordan Sh- Short-Air Pointer like yours. And then I was like back and forth, back mm-hmm. and forth. Uh, but then I finally settled on uh, Old Hemlock Setter. So
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, my family, my grandma and my grandpa, both grew up in Bruce and Mills. We had a family farm in Brewston Mills until, I don't know, a couple years ago. And I wish my grandpa was still alive so I could ask him if he knew George Bird Evans. Oh, yeah. Um, because I mean, it's not a big town or big city or wherever you want to call it. But I did ask my grandma, and she had never heard of him. But I kind of heard that George Bird Evans was kind of one of those guys kind of kept to himself. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, wasn't out trying to make a lot of... uh, mm, I don't, not friends, but you know, he wanted to hunt on other people's places, uh, that kind of thing. But, um, uh, but he was like world famous. So it's weird cause he like wasn't town famous, but he was world famous.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he kept to himself. He was, you know, strictly worried about hunting grouse, woodcock, his dogs. And you know, if the perfect world, that would probably be the same way. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Yeah. My grandma was like, no, nah, I've never heard of him. I was like, are you sure? Cause like, he's pretty famous. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, but as far as his books go, I think he wrote what over twenty books.
1: Yeah, I think twenty-two. I have them there in the in the next room.
0: You have all twenty-two?
1: It took me about six years
0: to get them. No way. Yeah. There's a lot on eBay right now of most, like I think like ten of his books or something. But it's mm-hmm. like it's like two thousand bucks. I keep I keep doing the uh, best offer. I'm like five hundred, six hundred.
1: <laughs> I actually, so I sold a book. It wasn't a George Evans book, and I think the guy who bought it from me was the person that's selling those books now. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, it's it's just going to keep going up in value. Mm -hmm. Um, His elegance and and how he wrote and his mindset of of the things that he said, like people just don't talk like that anymore. No. And it wasn't that long ago. I mean, he was writing books in, like I think, maybe late 60s, 70s, into the 80s. Right. Um, So it's not like it was a century ago. Um, but I guess he probably was born a century ago, but I mean, just his elegance and the things that he said, I mean, people still quote him every day online.
1: Mm -hmm. I love when I see something on social media about one of his quotes or a picture of him. Like I, you know, I kind of feel connected. I'm like, I um, I don't, I never met him, but I like, I feel like I know him. Gets me fired. Yeah. It's pretty cool.
0: So one thing I asked Josh to do before we came on, I said, Hey, um, I texted him earlier today. I said, Hey, pick out your favorite, George Bird Evans quote for the podcast and I'm going to do the same. Hopefully we didn't pick the same one. Oh, you picked one too? I picked one Oh, too. I didn't know yeah. that. All right. I'll let you go first though.
1: So there's there's countless ones but I feel like you could appreciate this one too. Um, and this is in The Upland Shooting Life. It's uh, an attitude towards game. And he says, if I could shoot a game bird and still not hurt it the way I can take a trout on a fly and release it, I doubt I would kill another one. And that that's... I feel like true to a lot of like animals that we hunt, you know, yep. there's always a sense of remorse, but especially with a grouse, Yep. you know, they're, they're just so they're kind of mysterious to me. They're hard to find in West Virginia and they're just amazing looking birds.
0: It, it is. It's that's so true. And I saw that quote. I almost picked it. There was another one similar to that. Um, that was talking about um, basically being worthy of your game and things like that. Um, but it's it is so true. I mean, as as soon as you pull the trigger, it, it's it's almost like you feel remorse. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I mean, they're such amazing creatures. But there's he writes about having a contract with the bird, almost like they have everything to lose right. and, and all that. It's this his mindset on that. It, I've really over the past couple of years really started to feel how he was thinking.
1: Well, I don't tell my friends this who hunt grouse and they have dogs and you're one of them and if I'm not there with them and then I, they call me and like I'm like how'd you do a piece of me hopes they didn't get one <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if you feel like that but I I think that quote kind of sums it up there yeah absolutely
0: I me mean, and we were talking earlier about. uh it's not necessarily even us hunting the reason for the decline, obviously, but um because every time me and Josh find a grouse, which we found a lot this year, we just miss it. So Yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> we
1: were talking before this, it's kind of even when you miss, like I missed one on Saturday, two shots uh at it. And it was still like, Oh yes, I finally got a shot at a grouse. <laughs> so but then again, part of me was like, Well, I'm kinda glad I missed. Yep, yep. But the other part is like, oh, I gotta shoot it for the dog, you know, yeah, that's reward her.
0: Yep. That's what we love. I mean, we love going out. It's just the process that, that you fall in love with it. Yeah. The getting up, going out, being alone in the woods, watching your dog work, watching your dog finally get one after all the hard work, the points. Like, that's what I think everyone's out there for. Yeah. For sure. uh, but I will say grouse meat, not bad.
1: No, it's, it's, it's the most. Someone told me this when I first started grouse hunting. He said, this will be the most expensive meat. You'll ever have in your entire <laughs> life. And man, was he, he not wrong. Oh,
0: it's so true. It, if you haven't had it though, it's like, if you can imagine like premium chicken, mm-hmm. it's like whatever a step above that is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But so, so my quote kind of just fell on my lap, um, no pun intended. So I was looking at quotes today and my dog Huntley came up, sat on my lap. And of course, I'm, I, I treat my dogs like, they're hunting dogs or working dogs, but I still treat them like family. You, you do? know, I do. They, I don't do that. They sleep in my house. You <laughs> yeah. know they. I give. They get the scraps. I mean, half the time I'm losing weight, and I'm trying to think why am I losing weight? It's because every time I eat, they're sitting there, and I give them half my food.
1: I, I told myself I was not going to do that when I got her, <laughs> and there must have been a time, or I did it once, and then it was just. Yep. It was downhill from there, so it's awful. It,
0: it, it's a it's a double-edged sword because, like, you don't want to waste any food. So, like, say you're eating pizza and you don't want to eat the rest of the crush. Like, well, I don't want to throw it away and waste it. And then just, it's a, it's a waterfall after yeah. that. Yeah, it is. But, so my quote is, and I didn't write down what book it was from. That was my bad. It's, uh, there's a time, and you must take it, to lay your hand on your dog's head as you walk past him, laying on the floor or in his settle. Time to talk with him. Time to remember with him. Time to please him. Time you can't buy back once he's gone. And boy, did that hit home when he was laying on my lap today because he, he turns four in August. Yeah, wow. And I mean, most most hunting dogs you get maybe 10 years. Mm-hmm. And just thinking like, I'm almost already halfway done my hunting career with him. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it it hit home. And I was like, wow.
1: Now, how old your, your youngest dog?
0: He is, he, it feels like he's 20, But he is about a year and a half now. Okay. Just, he turns two in, I believe, September. And he has he slowed down at all? He's sped up. Oh my gosh. Don't tell me that. He, yeah, he was a really good dog. I mean, great dog. He still is, but he will not leave cell phone chargers alone. He doesn't chew up anything else. Sometimes he'll grab a shoe or two, Mm -hmm. doesn't tear up anything else. If he sees a cell phone charger, it's toast, it's gone every i mean it had to have been six cell phone charge and i'll, I'll like try to put them away and actually i bought uh, a couple months ago i bought leanne a sp- special metal one because i was like oh he wants you through this well then she plugged it into the wall and she overlapped it over the charging port to try to like keep it up off the floor well that metal connected <laughs> with the outlet and made of nice little sparks. And now it looks like we had a fire. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it's it's been a, it's been a real
1: trip. Yeah, yeah. My, her favorite thing lately is books. She'll chew the spines Ooh. of books. I had a journal laying, it was a Christmas gift, laying on the desk today. And it must have been there for 10 minutes. I go upstairs. I come down later in the day and I, I move it. I'm like, she chewed the corner of it. I don't understand what they, and they'll be laying and then they'll just get up and start chewing something. You, you got to think what goes through their mind. Yep. I'm going to go destroy something here. You better in a keep
0: those uh, George Bird Evans books up on the top yeah. shelf. Yeah, they're up high. Yep. Uh, so let's let's jump back over to um, the old hemlock stuff. Uh, first of all, I cannot believe that I've lived this close for so long and have never made it over there.
1: Do you have it? I have
0: not. I was going to go last year and their website. Said the tours were closed for because of COVID and all that was going on. I don't. I'm not sure if they've opened back up, but I mean, I I have to go this year.
1: Yeah, I uh, I helped with the, one of the tours like two years ago. They had one last fall, but I think only two people came. and It was because of COVID. Yeah. So yeah, you got to go over there. The the house is just how is um, it's just like how he had it when he was there. Him and Kay, and then Lee J and Helen Ann. They live behind it. So it's a pretty great setting, and that's who does the tours, right, Lee J. Yep, mm-hmm. and he's been a great mentor to me, and we've become really great friends over the years. So it's it's pretty special. I was actually there, oh, probably last week, and we were walking up the lane back up to the house. We had just run the dogs around for a little bit, and I told him, I goes moments like this, I really don't take it for granted because people travel from far and wide to oh, come yeah. there, and it's pretty special that you know I've become friends with him and Helen Ann. And the whole family of Old Hemlock owners, and, you know, we're so close. We just, you know, can drop a hat, hey, I'm going to come over and, and run around for a little bit, so it's fun.
0: That is awesome. We'll have to get him on here one day just to talk, because I'm sure he had a lot of experience with George, George Bird. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. I think he met George in the 70s, I want to say. He was a, um, a principal in, in Preston County, and, um, yeah, he became really close with, with the both of them.
0: Now, is that um – um I think I was reading it's like two hundred acres or something like that he has out there.
1: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, just over that probably. So
0: all that's that's all that's basically preserved. It's almost like a museum.
1: Um, yeah, I would say something like it's they they run it as a foundation. Okay. Cool. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty special.
0: Very cool. So talk us through the process uh, if anyone is, is interested or how do you how do you get an old hemlock setter is that like you contact the foundation you get put on a wait list uh, like how's that work
1: yeah so um, currently the line is um, owned by Hall Carter right now and if you want to get on the list you, you contact Hall but it's also pretty special they don't have any kennels or you know a specific you know I don't know what what do you even call it, you know? I guess a kennel. Mm-hmm. Um, so every, every dog is, is jointly owned by Hall and the, the owner, and all the the litters are born at you know the, the female's house. So like for example, that that litter up in uh, Freeport right now, um, that's actually at the 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 person who owns owns the uh, the female. So um, it's it's really special too because everybody knows everybody it's like a you're entering like a bigger family um so you stay connected with you know every everyone that's had old hemlock since the 70s you know myself i just got one so they've welcomed me it's been it's been great getting to know everybody
0: that yeah that is really cool just the tradition of that is right. is amazing um is do you have to like sign a contract or anything saying like hey i won't breed this dog with anyone outside of the uh old hemlock um or do you have to get permission to breed it with another hemlock breeder? Like is there approval process? They have to see the dog work. Cause I, I know it's like at least at one point it was like selective breeding. They're like, this dog and this dog's really good. Let's let's continue the line with them. Like, how's that work?
1: Yeah. So Hall makes all the the uh decisions on um what dogs he's gonna breed, you know, with who, if he needs to go outside the line to keep keep the line going. Um so it's it's it sounds like a lot, but it's really really not um i did sign a contract which i'm pretty sure uh a lot of a lot of folks are like that if they're going to breed their dog
0: yeah like uh huntley i had i had to pay i think an extra hundred dollars or something if i if i wanted breeding rights for yeah right
1: right which part of me wants to maybe experience that one day because that that has to be another like you know whenever you when are you going to do that ever again but imagine having like four like 14 puppies right now in maine imagine them running around in their in your house, I'm sure you have it. They have a specific area, mm. but like, I don't. know. <laughs> that would be a, a lot of work, but it's got to be rewarding. At the oh, it has yeah. to be. Yeah, so.
0: I, I still don't know if I'll if I'll breed one of my dogs or not. Um, I have a, a cousin who's a vet in Morgantown, and you you hear so many different stories back and forth, back and forth, and every one of them has good arguments. But um, as far as whether to get them fixed, not fixed, and things like that, what I was told. From from my vet, who I trust, he does an excellent job. Um, he said usually most of the things that would that would cause problems with the dogs, as far as like hormones and things like that, don't happen till they're about five years old. He was like, so I I wouldn't worry about getting them fixed till he's at least that, because also when you do get them fixed, like say you get them fixed at one years old, one year old or or, or whatnot, the the dog hasn't like completely developed so. Once you just start changing hormones, things like that, they might put, start putting on weight. Uh, that can affect your, their joints right. and, and things like that. And it, it's almost like it's it's almost like they're wrestlers, because you have to manage these hunting dogs' weights like all the time. Like if you're if you're going out on a hunt, okay, I'm not feeding them before a hunt because I, you know, I don't want their stomach to twist. But it's hunting season, so they need extra calories. And then it's off a of hunting season. Well, do you switch them off the protein food? And it's it's almost like you have a wrestler, a little baby wrestler.
1: Yeah, it's not a, a lap dog, that's for sure. Which so, actually, uh, that's partially true. <laughs> I was like eh. <laughs> yeah.
0: I I have two 65 five pound lap dogs. Pretty yeah, much. yeah. I take that uh, back. They yeah. actually, uh, my wife Land, she went out to, um. Uh, uh, the lake house yesterday and it calls me in a panic. Huntley miles just cu- killed a possum. They dropped it in front of the door. I don't know what to do. And of course, like anyone that knows what a possum looks like, it's probably the ugliest animal around. And I was like, oh, I'm not driving out there an hour and an hour back to, to carry the possum in the woods. So she, she did man up. I'll give her credit. She did great. She took it out in the woods, uh, got rid of it. I'm sure it's coyote food by now, but
1: hold on. So you let, Leanne or not even let her she has the confidence to take both dogs out by herself. She does great with them. That's that's impressive. Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah, um
0: we've only had a couple incidents or a couple uh times where uh she called me she's like Miles ran off. Um I think it was just like once and it was just like a controller issue. We we got new controllers or something and she was Hitting the wrong button, or it lost service, or something. But yeah, she she does great. Generally speaking, they they stay somewhat around the house. But usually, when she lets them out, we we put them on the Garmin.
1: I can't believe that I, my my girlfriend Paulina. I'm gonna have to teach her how to. It's Just take Berkeley out when I'm out here. Oh, it's great. That's that's you got to tell her. That I'm impressed. Yes, I had no idea.
0: It, it takes a lot of worry off of my hands. Um, the fact that she can do that, take control of them, and. and like while I'm at work, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah,
1: because when you're at work, they're inside all day. They got to get
0: out. Oh yeah, yep. And uh, you can tell too. Like if I if I work three or four days in a row or whatnot, and they don't get out, that's that's when self insurers start getting chewed up. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. So uh, so back to to Berkeley, which is which is his dog. That's, that's the name. Where, where did the name Berkeley come from?
1: So I grew up in Berkeley County, and I was I was going to get a, a male at first. But then I decided, kind of wanted a female, a little more calm, is what people were telling me. You know, if, if the male, if the male, you know, smells another dog in heat, they'll, they'll travel to the next county. Ooh. So I'm like, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. Um, but I really wanted the name Berkeley, and I was like, you know, it kind of can be interchangeable. Yeah, for um, sure, I love the name. So that's where, yeah, her name came from. Are and you- I keep a running list of names. which I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure if you do or not. George actually did too, and I'm glad I did because. I'm, I'm always thinking of a new name if i ever get another dog i'm like i have my name picked out but um and you can't use the same name twice in the the line so people who pick their names they keep it a little close to their vest so i can't say the name uh, that i would like to have secret information yeah so i can tell you maybe after we're done
0: <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll, we'll tell you. All. yeah tell me off air um yeah i was, are you planning? Do you think you're going to do any like navda, any testing with it? Is that something that is prevalent in the old hemlock line, or do they just not really test? It's mostly just they hunt. Like,
1: I think they do test. I think they have to test for their hips. Um, that part I'm not too familiar with, but I know they they do. Um, you know, look at the dog's health and everything before they decide on you know if they're going to breed them or not. Right. Right. So,
0: do you think you'll uh, run them through any? uh like, testing for, like, uh, for, like, field trials or anything like that? Uh, I
1: I doubt it. Yeah, probably not.
0: Yeah, I was, when I first started with Huntley, I was real big. I was like, I'm going to do NAVDA. I'm going to get all these ribbons. And then I was talking to the guy you get your pigeons from. And uh, he's Good old Bill Downey. Yeah, Bill Downey. Uh uh, Great, great mentor for for me. I'll throw him out there. You know, he's... He's helped me out a lot, answered a lot of questions, helped me with my dogs. I can't thank him enough. Um, but he doesn't really test. I don't, I don't think he tests his at all. And I think he's just like, you know, because my second dog I got from his line, it was his male. Oh. And um, he's just like, you know, I look and see, you know, the other one had real good pedigree. He's like, and this dog hunts. I mean, he's, I've hunted with his dog a bunch of times, and he's like, this dog is awesome, you know puts them together and like, I was like, you know, I don't need to worry about ribbons and all that. I, if my, if your dog's good, I mean, if you're into that, it's cool. But I was, uh, I was just like, you know what? If, if, if they're producing, I'm just going to go with that.
1: Yeah. I was, I was probably the same way. I was so worried about doing everything by the book. If You know, this day I have to teach this, mm-hmm. but then uh, Raz Sisler, who helped me this past summer, just told me, just let her be a puppy and you know, just enjoy it. And once he told me that, then it, it's, I started to relax. You know, I wasn't really worried about breaking her to the gun and, mm-hmm. and birds. I was doing too much too fast. And once I just started to relax and let her just kind of be a dog, because at the end of the day, point the bird, shoot the bird, and be semi, you know, uh, ma- have manners in the house. And once you boil it down like that, it's not that, that much of a rocket science project. Although I thought it was, yep, but uh, it it worked out so far. So
0: it's funny you, you say that because I've had multiple um, multiple guys that train dogs as for a living, and they all pretty much have, have said the same thing. They're like, "Hey, like the first like four or five months, like don't even worry about it. They're like, you just make sure that puppy's having fun, learns to socialize, and just some basic obedience. Like right. they they come on command. Those things and um, that was, a, that was a learning curve for me because my first dog, I mean, he was like 15 weeks old. I had I was out there doing drag lines in the park, mm-hmm. you know. And then the, the second one, you know, I took their advice, and he's every bit as good if and maybe will possibly be better. He's not better yet, but he's still, you know, Huntley's got a few years on him.
1: You hear that with parents. I don't have any kids, uh, but <laughs> I've heard people say, you know, the first one – you know they're they're trying to do everything and then the next one's like you yeah, know
0: that makes a lot of sense because I was the second one and I basically turned out perfect. Yeah, so. there you go. So
1: <laughs> dogs and kids, I I'm convinced dogs are, are harder. no oh, but have to, I, they? I don't have any experience with kids, uh, so say, yeah, it's to be determined.
0: There there's no way they can be harder. The, the kids can be harder. Yeah, but
1: I, my argument is you could put a baby down and then you know go in the other not in the other room or you could do something else for a second puppies oh no you have to be watching them at all times
0: all the time i don't know though so when i when i came in uh to josh's house he has this little plastic it can't be more than eh, two feet and, he, and i was like what's that for he's like oh that's the gate i just put that up at, and then the dog just stays there and i was like there's no <laughs> way that that little plastic gate holds your dog back like he doesn't jump over it while you're gone he's like no he stays there my dogs would absolutely barrel that down
1: yeah, I don't. Now that you say that, I'm kind of worried. But <laughs> knock on wood, so far so good. So,
0: do you have a camera? Yeah,
1: I actually got one of those furbos for, uh, for Christmas. Yeah, I have one of those Black too Friday and, deal. Oh, yeah, it's
0: awesome. I was going to say maybe he's just really smart, and whenever you leave, jumps over, does his thing, and then he he sees you pull up and jumps back over. But
1: well, the one time I left her out, and this was my fault. I didn't put up the gate. I blocked off the upstairs, and I guess she actually did barrel down. It wasn't this this one here, and stupidly i had just brought my first turkey fan back home from from uh wherever i had it and i don't know why but i put it on the floor upstairs and <laughs> i was probably home for two hours i go upstairs and i look down that thing is just shredded <laughs> and what can you say you can't scold the dog now it's over yeah and i was like well that was a nice fan so now i just have the, the you know how the amount of fan yep. just just a, a beard just hanging so it's Oh, that was man. my fault, but uh, so ever since then she's she has her area where I block her yeah. off when I when I have to go somewhere.
0: Yeah, I mean if if I put any type of bird fan down and I didn't have my dogs completely walked up, I mean they would do the same thing.
1: Well, I had a, I had a vase full of turkey. Well, I, then I took those turkey feathers, put them in a vase, and then I had some grouse feathers. I found a grouse on the road this past fall. I'm like, oh, you know, I'll keep the fan, and I put it on top of the fireplace. And that lasted for like a day. Now the, the vase is in the garage high up because <laughs> she was relentless trying to get up, up to it.
0: Now, um, <clears throat> did you do anything special with your feathers for that fan? Like, So I have, a, I have a buddy. He swears to dip them in, I think he said, water, hydrogen peroxide, and then I can't say, remember if he said something else or not, but he said you have to get the mites off of the feathers and then it makes the feathers pop a lot more. And... Every day that I see that grass fan, I'm like, I don't want it to be ruined, but I'm really scared to dip it. I mean, it's like a probably a small dilution, but he says like that's what you have to do. Have you do you do that?
1: No, no, I've never done I never heard that. I'll have to check it out.
0: Yeah, I mean I don't know how long it takes for the mites to get to it or if it's already in. the – I think it's already in the feathers is what he was saying, but um, I probably will do that eventually under his guidance.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me know. I'll come I need to come watch.
0: <laughs> so uh so this year, as far as states go, you hunted you hunted Maine, West Virginia. And Pennsylvania once. Pennsylvania once. Yep. And those are the, the three you hunted. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep.
1: So um the Maine trip was freaking sweet. I have to I have to also give some credit to my buddy Jacob, who's also up there at the same time you were. Yeah. He's,
0: we we gotta get him on here. Yeah.
1: He, I was just with him tonight actually. Oh and yeah? um he knows his stuff. I, I met him through backcountry hunters and anglers he's a student at wvu and you know we had talked a lot he we hung out a lot before the grouse season and then i met him up he invited me to maine and i met him up there later in the week and yeah he can navigate the woods really well he knows how to eat scout online and, and find good cover so whenever uh he invites me to come out it's always a drive which i don't <laughs> love but he can find birds and uh it's yeah he's fun to hunt with
0: yeah, he was, if you go back to episode five, um, I had mentioned a friend that had kind of looked at some cover of where I was at, and he was like, hey, go here. And then I went there, and I'm as soon as we got out of the truck, my dog's pointing at a bird that I missed. No, I believe <laughs> that, that it. Yeah. Was, that was Jacob. And I was, the fact that he can just like kind of pull up on X or, or whatnot and be like, there's probably a grouse right here. That's still something that I'm working on. I'm getting a little bit better at it the, the more that I do it, but um yeah i mean he, he's phenomenal and i think he i mean he's uh i can't remember what he said his degree is in but he's i think he's going to focus eventually in in rough grouse
1: yeah i think his uh i think he's going to do a project for his master's um with rough grouse rough grouse society or the, the dnr or the forest service here in west virginia so yeah he's he's been a, a great help to me with berkeley and trying to get into it so yeah
0: definitely a, a wealth of uh, information and he runs a gsp too there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot of people that talk garbage on us gsp owners for grouse but uh, you know we we i went with him i went it was a month ago or something up to pa before they closed and uh we went to some cover we 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 had a couple scent points we never did see any birds but um yeah just picking his brain and stuff like that and there's not a lot of people that you can do that with anymore. I mean, there's a couple, like I said, when we go to RG, the RGS meetings and stuff like that, those guys are very knowledgeable. They've been doing it their whole lives. But the numbers are dwindling down as far as rough grouse hunters go, and there's just not a lot of mentors out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's good to have a, a hunting partner that knows what he's doing and, and then pushes you to, to get out. Um, My buddy, my other buddy tonight said, we need to find any grouse. He said, well, you can't kill them on the couch, so... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just fun to go out.
0: You're right that he uh, he went up to New York a couple of weeks ago. I was, if I didn't work, I was going to go with him. But yeah, now that you say that, everywhere he goes is a little bit of a drive.
1: Yeah, I know. We were supposed to hunt on Saturday around here, and he calls me Friday night. He's like, "We should drive a little further." I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> and I was struggling with it. And then we got up Saturday morning and drove two hours. So, but we found a couple of birds, and yeah, it was worth it. So,
0: yeah. That's uh, that's awesome. That and that was, that was the ones that you just went, your last one out that you. Sent. yeah, the
1: one I I took two shots <laughs> at and missed. So,
0: <laughs> but any so any plans for next year? What what are we doing next year?
1: Well, I was just talking with him actually. This is my obviously my first year with a bird dog, and you know going out for grouse to try to really plan some things out. And I didn't realize how fast October November goes. Oh yeah. And then December comes around, you got the holidays, and then January it starts to snow. So I'm like, wow, I I really missed some opportunities. So now next year I'm really going to nail down more grouse hunting in West Virginia, and then we'll probably go up the main once more because um, he always goes up every year. So we go up for like a week.
0: That's it's definitely a mecca for grouse, and doesn't I mean from what I saw, it doesn't get hunted that hard.
1: Just road hunters up there. I Man,
0: I'm telling you,
1: I uh, I was up there and I was getting something to eat one night. And lady's like, Are you from around here? I said, No, I'm from West Virginia. She's like, Oh, I'm like, Yeah, I'm up here hunting grouse. She said, What partridge? She said, No, potridge. Partridge. I was, I was like, Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh-huh.
0: I hadn't heard that until one up there. I was like, No grouse. She's no partridge. Mm-hmm. I, was, I don't know. I don't know what partridge is, but
1: yeah. yeah and then, I mean, everybody road hunts there, which is, I guess, um, another guy up there I know, he says, If you. Hunt them from the road, they're a partridge. If you hunt them with a dog, they're a grouse. Oh, okay. So I was like, that's a good way to put it.
0: Yeah, I took a lot of heat. So I I debated on doing it or not because I kind of looked like an idiot, but I posted uh, my stories from Instagram on YouTube and just, you know, basically about how I was missing grouse and, and the ones that, I mean, we we flushed like thirty grouse or something, but the ones that we were getting on, they were flushing soon, and I only saw road hunters. And then there was some people on there, and some people had sent me messages, kind of fried me, like no. And then some some guide services sent me some messages, like no, we hunt with dogs. So I mean, don't get me wrong, there are there are guys up there that hunt with dogs, but uh, yeah. there was actually one guide service reached out, like, hey, come with us next year, and we'll uh, we'll show you how we do it up here. Yeah, it's cool. And I, I mean, I'm not too proud to admit, you know. I, I'd never, I'd never even been to Maine before. You know, it's a whole different world up there. I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, I
1: had no idea. And then <laughs> I was there, I got there on a Friday, left on a Tuesday and we hunted 45 minutes right before we left Tuesday. And we flushed like four grouse and I got one. I'm like, well, now I kind of got the hang of this, oh, but now yeah. we got to
0: leave. Literally the same thing happened to me. I mean, it was like three days where we were flushing grouse. I didn't know how to hunt them. I didn't understand. The dogs were still, the dogs were mostly used to like pheasants and stuff like that they were still trying to get it figured out by the time we got it figured out it's time to go yeah
1: i mean that's i'm sure that's how it is with a lot of wherever you go hunt you know yep. sometimes for the first time whether it be grouse or deer
0: it'll probably be the same thing next year because i think next year now that i've hit maine i'll probably try like no dak or montana or something so i'm sure i'll post another youtube video of all kinds of excuses and,
1: your YouTube, <laughs> and meltdowns Your uh one of your must have been your instagram story where you were Given the play by play, like a press yeah. conference, I that's, was cracking that's, up. That's what I posted. That was on great. YouTube. Yeah. I loved it.
0: I was had, I, when Liam went into that store to get burgers, I was having an absolute mental breakdown. I was like, I, you know, we're going to, we're going to figure this out. Uh, and that was right after I missed the first grouse. So. It's humbling. It makes
1: you feel like you're just the worst mm-hmm. hunter of all time. Yep. And so there
0: was those, there was a couple of grouse that were on the ground and uh, a couple that were in the trees that didn't shoot at. Um, but that was actually one of the George Byrd Evans' quotes. It said something about, uh, you can correct me if you remember. It said something about um, grouse are better than being shot on the ground or something like that. Yeah, I don't to think that he, would, he wouldn't do that. No. Yeah,
1: so always in flight. So. Yeah,
0: although by that like second third day, I was like, right, <laughs> <laughs> I did to
1: drive twenty hours for for yeah. nothing here.
0: though no, that people don't realize how big Maine it is.
1: I would move there if it was closer.
0: I'm also throwing around uh, at me as well. I was looking at travel nurse jobs up there actually when I was up there because it was just so beautiful.
1: I mean, it's it's like a different world. It's it's cool.
0: The uh, I was also throwing around. Uh, I hear Wisconsin's really good. I hear Wisconsin's actually like the place to be or it was a few years ago and then it really people started hammering it. Uh, but Michigan, the UP... Everyone keeps talking about Everybody it. Everybody goes there. Everyone talks about it. Yeah.
1: I mean, that, that's that got to be on the, the trip list at one point. But, uh, yeah, Maine, Maine. I would go to Maine just because I've been there. But, yeah, you're right. Mich- and Michigan is pretty close. You can get there probably in like eight hours if I see good so cover. I don't know. But where, that's what I hear.
0: So where I was mapping it out at, I was going to go to the other side, like the western side of Michigan because they, they have a lot of grouse management areas out there where I heard it's the best hunting at. And it was, from here, it was like, it was getting up there. Like, I think it was over 10, for, yeah. but I was going to go like the all the way around. Right, right. So, I don't know, maybe Ron Bain will uh, throw some uh, <laughs> throw some help out on that. That would be nice. So, we'll skip over to TRCP now. Um, how long have you been working at TRCP?
1: Yeah, so I've been at uh, Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership for about four or five months now um, came on board. And my main focus with them is individual fundraising. So, uh, working on raising dollars for our mission, which is guaranteeing all Americans a quality place to hunt and fish. Um, and what we do there is we engage in federal policy for wildlife, hunting and fishing conservation, and, and help move the needle in, in DC. Um, that that policy work and it's it's a lot of fun. Um, everyone I talk to at work, they hunt and fish. Everyone you know that outside of the organization that gives to us is tremendous supporters of conservation. So it's like a dream job. Um, I I always you know look at people's jobs. Man, I wish I could do that. But like here I am working as something that I'm passionate about and and helping move the needle. You know, for hopefully generations to come. So it's it's a lot of fun.
0: I'll tell you, there's there's never been a point in history probably that conservation is more important than it is right now as well. I mean, all the attacks on, on hunting, fishing, um, the economy, the way everything's going. I mean, it's it's a very important organization for sure. And I didn't really realize how much they did until I started researching it. And, uh, it looks like an awesome organization and I'm, I'm glad that you work for them. Yeah, me too. too. (laughs)
1: And, um, yeah, if anybody has any questions about, you know, what we do, reach out to me trcp.org is our website so we have everything you know all of our issues issues and priorities for 2022 that we're working on so it's a it's a great organization
0: yeah i was reading um it actually put me down a rabbit hole i started looking at george bird evan uh quotes and then uh I was looking at TRCP, and then I got in the rabbit hole. I was like, "Oh, you know Theodore Roosevelt," and then I'm looking at like how much he did, and then I'm looking at Woodrow Wilson and and Abe Lincoln and and all of that. But uh, I mean, he added. Let me see. I think I wrote it down here. Uh, so Theodore Roosevelt increased the national forest land from forty three to 194 million acres. He opened 150 national forests. Fifty-one federal bird reserves, four national game preserves, and five national parks. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, it it makes sense that they would name it after
1: him, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the one the one stat I love about Theodore Roosevelt is some of his books. If you ever read any, he wasn't a great shot, so that makes me feel a lot better <laughs> if I ever miss a deer or something like that.
0: I knew I related to him for. Yeah, reasons. I'm like,
1: oh, I'm glad you know. I think he didn't have great vision either. So imagine you know trying to hunt back back in those days with subpar. Oh yeah, you know bifocals or glasses.
0: Yeah, he wore he wore bifocals. Yeah, in he ears. Did. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, so. I remember that. Well, I, I remember seeing pictures of that. So I didn't realize too um, that Yosemite it was kind of like the precedent for for public land. So like Abraham Lincoln kind of like preserved Yosemite in a way. It, and I might be I might be off a little bit, but from from what I remember reading, he kind of preserved Yosemite. And then it was uh, Woodrow no, no, it was us grant um, that I believe opened the first national park, which was Yellowstone and then Theodore Roosevelt just completely blew it up.
1: yeah, I think he was real involved with the Grand Canyon, yeah National Park and um, you know a lot of those western parks and, and forest uh, land that we have now so yeah I mean we. One of
0: my probably my one of my favorite presidents. I don't know a whole lot about what else he did, but I know he did that, and it's just I mean, in my life, I mean, the amount of national parks that I go to, the the national forests and stuff. I mean, can't be, I mean, more gracious and thankful for for that. Yeah,
1: yeah, and he started the Boot and cricket Club too. With all um, oh, with George Grinnell, So
0: a lot of famous Georges on this podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. That, I think you answered all of the questions that I had. Um, unless you have anything else for us you want to talk about?
1: So I do have an idea for a future podcast. Oh, yeah?
0: I'm always open to ideas.
1: And this would involve your wife, Leanne.
0: I don't know why you're smirking. but And, <laughs> and my
1: girlfriend, Paulina. Okay. I think it would be hilarious to get them on here and hear their perspective <laughs> of living or dating someone that, that hunts and fishes with our type of passion. Uh, it could bring a whole another you know, listening audience. I think it would probably be more of a, a comedy uh, hour, <laughs> but it could be a lot of fun.
0: I got all kinds of things running through my head now. I, I don't even know what she would say. Uh, that's a really good idea. Um, we'll definitely do that. She, I mean, I will say she lets me for the most part. And I hunt a lot go out when I want and do what I want. I think a little bit of that is her wanting the dogs out of the house and giving her some <laughs> alone time, but uh, I mean, I, I'll bring the I'll bring the dogs home and, and clean birds in the kitchen and and she'll ask questions and uh, like today we made I made uh, deer quesadillas. Oh yeah, so nice. uh, she's she's uh, she's slowly coming along. She's not a she wasn't a country girl, so uh, first time she ever had. My taco salad. I didn't tell her it was deer meat, and she's like, "Yeah, this is really good." I was like, "Oh, cool, it's deer meat."
1: <laughs> How did she react?
0: Uh, I think she wanted to throw up at first, but then she's like, "Well, it was kind of good." And now, I mean, she, like I said, made those quesadillas today. Didn't question it. Made uh, deer spaghetti a couple weeks ago uh, with a bunch of deer meat in yeah. it. Delicious. I was gonna make that tonight, oh, but I ran so out of time. Good. Yeah. Um, another good thing is uh, deer chili especially with this weather.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've ate a lot of that this year.
0: You you like anything else?
1: Um we made actually deer tacos the other night and I was I was so we had just started dating and you know, I'm like let's make dinner and I'm like let's make tacos and I said, "Well, I only have deer meat. You know, do I need to go buy <laughs> beef?" And she's like, "No, I'll eat it." So I was like, "Oh, wow, really?" I'm like, "Okay, I got a winner here." That's awesome. Is um, she is she a country girl or? No, no, no. Oh, um, but I'm I mean I always joke with her. I told her I'm a country boy, but <laughs> you know I live in Morgantown, I'm really not.
0: Well you had a good uh you had a good caption for your first picture.
1: Oh yeah, hunting, fishing, loving every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, And then I got that song stuck in my head.
1: It is it's a pretty corny song, but uh it's it's a good one.
0: I'm trying to think what other recipes that uh that I've I've made that I really like. Um uh, I've done some uh taking pheasant breasts and then cooking them and then basically p- picking them all apart putting them in a blender taking them out barbecuing them and then putting a little liquid smoke in it because i'm too ported by a smoker oh yeah and uh like some pheasant barbecue sandwiches delicious oh that is nice yeah that does sound good Very i good. don't
1: have enough uh poultry in my my freezer that's what's lacking so
0: yeah i have the last of my grouse meat i've been hanging on to uh defrosting right now in my okay fridge. what are you gonna do with that I, I don't know because I don't want to mess it up. Did
1: you pluck it or did you just have the breast? No.
0: I did, I, well, it's a combination of all the meat that was in it because I, I didn't want to waste any. But uh, I don't know. I just started getting scared. I'm like, well, I can't like, get freezer burned because it's like premium chicken, yeah. basically. So right. premium poultry. So I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that I've really liked. Um, anytime I put... Phe- Pheasant's one of those things that like... If you don't pluck it, it you take off the whole fat layer. So if you pluck it, it leaves that little thin flat layer, fat layer on it and mm-hmm. you, you get that nice juicy taste. If you take out the breasts or you skin it, it takes that little fat layer off. And if you don't add like oil or anything like that, it is kind of tough and it, it's just not very juicy. But if I basically skin it like a rotisserie chicken, take the whole body out and you know, basically have a rotisserie chicken, oil it down. Season it, put it in the air fryer. I swear, there's a picture. I think air fryer. End. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's just. I think there. It's on my Instagram. It looks exactly like a rotisserie chicken, and it tastes just as good.
1: All right. Yeah, I gotta give that a shot. So. Uh,
0: my favorite's uh woodcock, though.
1: What? Oh yeah. Oh, you're lying.
0: Easily. What? It's like filet mignon.
1: See, I. Some of my buddies like it, but I love to hunt them. But then, uh, there's just not my favorite to eat. Maybe. I don't cook it right. Once One buddy was like, I'll just make poppers. I'm like, hey, come on. Let's be a little bit more. Uh, I
0: feel like anyone that's a dove hunter, they're like, oh, dove poppers. Yeah. I'm and like, then, like, I never hear any other recipe. Yeah, dove like, let's think
1: outside the box here for a minute.
0: <laughs> uh, Chucker's good too. Yeah. Okay. I've had
1: that. Yeah. yeah so, uh,
0: uh, quail, honestly, I don't know if I've ever ate quail. I don't think I've ever ate quail.
1: I uh, Maybe at a restaurant, but it probably wasn't, you know, wild is probably right, pen pin raised and
0: I I actually take that back. My favorite meat would have to be mallard. Okay, yeah. If you if you cook mallard right, that's like true fillet mignon yeah. it's almost just like eating steak.
1: I didn't shoot any ducks this year. So last year but not this year. We we still got time. Do we? I thought the the season's over. Mm. In West Virginia? I thought it ended the thirty first. Maybe I hope you're right.
0: Well, I was going to get duck hunting tomorrow. Maybe I should check, check the regs. Check that out. I, I, for some reason, you might be right. I think you might be right. I'll I'll, I'll check those regs. Yeah, I only shot a couple wood ducks at uh my brother in law's place. He kept telling me he's like I got wood ducks coming in every night. I was like, no, you don't. Cause I, I, you don't see wood ducks in West Virginia that much. And so we get we went out and then um, sat out there for hours. Nothing flew in. It's a, a little farm pond. And then I was like, all right, you ready? Let's pack it up. He starts unloading his shotgun. I was like, well, just don't unload yet. like, Because, you know, as soon as you walk into the water and get decoys, that's when they come. Right. So we start packing up, and we hear splash. And then it was just like Vietnam, but with ducks instead <laughs> of bombs. And they they're flying, and It's like, boom, 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 boom. So we, we did good on that. Um, the other times I've been out duck hunting, uh, just haven't really seen as many this year.
1: I did duck hunting last last year for the first time with my buddy Court, and my gosh, it's so much fun.
0: It, it is a blast. See, the problem is, what I've noticed is that the ducks and geese and stuff, they like to fly when it's really, really cold out. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't like to sit there when it's really, really cold no. out. So when I go, it's like nice, and then they don't fly.
1: Yeah. And you got to get up at God forsaken second. Oh, hours. yeah. That's the nice thing about grouse hunting. You can get up and have a break, nice breakfast, stroll on into the woods around like 10 o'clock, it's just, you know, have a nice day. Dog hunting, everything else. Yep. That's why I try to m. explain
0: to my, my deer hunting friends. They're like, Well, I, I gotta get out there, you know, 30, 30 hour before daylight. I don't want to speak to deer or anything. And I'm like, man, I'm getting up at maybe nine thirty yeah. to go to go grouse hunting it's or pheasant hunting. Yeah. Yeah. So and I know I've been saying it hopefully someone someone's supposed to be dropping my name to the head of DNR for West Virginia. And We'll see if I get a call or not, but there's a lot of rumors circling around about them them opening up a uh, a put-and-take program in West Virginia for pheasants. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh you know. I didn't know that. Yeah. From my understanding, it was supposed to be, I read an article and um that the guy from Spur had sent me, and I think it said it was, I read this a few months back, it was, it was supposed to be on the agenda, their next meeting, which I think was in February, January, February. Um, so hopefully I can get a little bit more of a scoop on that. But that would be just you. Know, we don't have anything like that really. No, not So at all. It would, and hopefully it'd be something that could bring in some money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll buy three stamps.
1: You love pheasants,
0: That's your thing. I do. Well, they're they're big enough. I can hit them. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So all right i think that wraps it up and uh appreciate you coming on and spend some time with us and uh we'll, we'll have you back on and hopefully we can get uh lee J on maybe tell us a little bit more about george bird evans and yeah. and hopefully you can get me out to that that uh homestead so i can yeah, check absolutely. it out that'd be cool yeah so. for
1: sure yeah thanks for having me on and uh keep your powder dry right
0: <laughs> that's all right Thank you.